0: To rest. Good evening, everybody. Uh, it feels a little weird to have the weather this warm in this time of year, but yeah, yeah, it was a wonderful thing, and not having to wear a jacket at all today, that was nice. All right, well, we are going to start with some songs tonight, and uh, so if you would join me in singing, Jesus saves. The
1: joyful sound
0: give them an opportunity to share the most important things that happened to them in their lives Um, how often am I excited to do that for them it's one thing when, when I meet somebody who hasn't heard the gospel and I'm saying Lord please give me an opportunity to speak to them but how many times do I go you're a Christian, awesome, job done I don't have to do anything else I don't have to share that news with you to encourage you again so that's, that's just something that really God put on my heart last year. Are you, How exciting is this story for you? Do you love to tell it to other people? Do you love to hear it from other Christians? The servant's heart.
2: Uh, still struggling a bit, but you'll survive with us, so we're going to take prayer requests at the end, so uh, if you have some of those, keep those in mind as we're working ourselves through our study here on prayer, and uh, it just happens that uh, Matt Barnes came in, we just had the prayer time at the Capitol on uh, Monday, so Sunday night, I was preaching and uh, through Daniel, and I was, if you were here saying something about, you know, I'm not trying to encourage us to storm the castle or anything like that. And then uh, the, uh, pa- Pastor Andrew Pastor Brett reminded me that uh, we were storming the castle on Monday. So I don't know how many we had there on so- Monday afternoon, but it was a great opportunity. We try to, uh, Matt Barnes runs uh, Servants Prayer, Servants Prayer, public servants. public servants Prayer, that's it, Public Servants Prayer time, and uh, so they opened the session with uh, prayer, and what a a blessing, it really is just a a joy, Uh, and especially, I tell you what's what's exciting about it is when some of the people who are in leadership positions are able to get up and genuinely get hold of the throne of God. I mean, it's just, whew, it's it's amazing, you think, okay, they're actually in a leadership position in our government, that is a good thing, and so it was an encouragement, Uh, so thank you for being here, thank you for doing that. So, uh, finishing up, not finishing, well, he's not finishing up, but continuing on with our study on prayer, and uh, today we're going to have three, like three unique studies all in one as we come to this, and then at the end of this, we'll take our prayer request and then take a few moments to uh, break up into prayer groups, so um, you know, I'm hoping that we've been preparing you for all of that concept, you know, so uh, be ready for that. Comfort through prayer, there's a... There's a um, I think it's an old Gaither song uh, called uh, "You Can Have a Song in Your." You Maybe know that song. You can have a song in your heart in the night. I like the only one, so I know what, I, know what I, I can't remember it. It's just kind of coming to mind. It's like you can have a melody down in your heart when it's aching, nearly breaking, and I don't remember what the words are. Anyway, yeah. But the song, the chorus says this. You can have a song in your heart in the night, after every trial, after every mile. Anyone can sing when the sun's shining bright, but you can have a song in your heart at night. And sometimes what it is, is we think about prayer as us going to God and making our request, and that's what it is, but we forget sometimes that God ministers to us through prayer. That's really what this... Song in the Night is going to be about. You'll see the verses that kind of uh, fit with it. Psalm 77, verse 6 says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Let's pray. Father, as we study this topic of prayer, help us to grow in your grace through it. Uh, May we come boldly to your throne. I ask that you would be with our Awana group, our teenagers, our uh, college students as they're meeting and, uh, young, and young adults as they're meeting in other places of the buildings. Just pray that you would uh, bless them tonight and may this group just come together uh, with a spirit, an attitude, a prayer, and a willingness to to bring our church, our families, uh, our nation before you and, and trust and know that uh, you will truly give a song in the night and we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, the idea of that song in the night is that you know we're, we're we're crying out to God in our darkest moment. That's the idea of the song of the night. That when things are are going difficultly uh, in our lives, we we come to the Lord, and it is at that time that God ministers to us. That comfort is given to us through this time of prayer. So, um, everybody, you looking for anybody in particular? There you go. No. Okay. Uh, so it says, uh, "I call to remembrance." My song in the night, I communed my own heart and my spirit, made diligent search. So that's this song in the night concept. And we want to kind of just touch on that tonight as we look at these three topics of prayer. Uh, in this psalm, it says, yet, I, I, this is where the Lord is going to be using that song in the night to speak to us. It says, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer Unto the God of my life, and so you know, as we come to the Lord, whether it's day or night, whether it's when things are going well or when when we're having difficulty, God's desire is to minister to us, to give us His loving kindness, to present His song in the night to us. So, as we're as we're dealing with this topic of prayer, it is more than God bless them, God do this, God we need. Uh, It is literally an opportunity for God to minister to our hearts. Listen to uh, the next verse on this song in the night in Isaiah chapter thirty. You shall have a song, as in the night, when a holy solemnity is kept, and gladness of heart, as when one goeth with a pipe to come unto the mountain of the Lord, to the mighty one of Israel. Literally God is saying, You know, what's going to happen is as we come in the night, in our difficulty, in our distresses, as we come to this God of ours, this God of ours will turn that that uh, sadness into a song that is piped. So that the joy and gladness actually come as a result. So we enter into that song of the night with solemnity and we leave with gladness. That's what God wants to do. Uh, as we're praying, as we're taking upon ourselves this ministry of prayer, uh, that we would literally consider, you know, how it is that God would, would want to minister to our hearts. And so I'm just pointing this out. That song of the night is something that God wants to do. Now, uh, so tonight what we're going to do is look at two sections and so one of the things we do in our in our church, I don't know if it's true everywhere but I would guess it's true just about everywhere, um, when we take prayer requests, our prayer requests sound a lot like this. Uh, so and so sick, 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 so and so unsafe, so and so sick. Right? That's kind of what our prayer requests are. And that's absolutely fine. We talked about this last week in James chapter 5. We are supposed to, you know, bring those that are sick before the Lord. That's not a problem. I am not complaining about this. I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not, this is not a rebuke. All right. But I want us to see the apostle Paul's prayer requests as he says to the church in Ephesus, I am praying for you. And it will be notable as we go through two separate lists that the Apostle Paul is praying for the church for that he never once talks about their health. I'm not suggesting it's a bad thing. It's not. But if we're going to make prayer a part of our ministry uh, for our churches, for our homes, for our families, we need to get hold of the Apostle Paul's prayer lists here. Uh, You know, we need to make sure that our prayers would have a spiritual significance. The reality is, we're all going to die, right? Not every disease is going to be healed. It's just not. We're all going to die. We're living under the curse of sin, and that curse brings about death. And while, yes, Jesus Christ has been victorious over death, hell, and the grave, that is for eternal life, and it is for what he is preparing us for in heaven, but we still have to deal with the curse. And, and so we're all going to die. Nobody's going you know, to, you know, some of the old, you'd have to get older than most of you are, but uh, like, like your pastor, but some of the old faith healers, you think, they must think they're never going to die, right? Because the only reason you're not healed is because you don't have faith. Well, if you carry that out to its extreme, then that faith healer should still be there, You know, preaching the same message. Uh, But the reality is we deal with a curse. But that that physical impact of the curse is not the most damaging to our family. It's not the most damaging to our church. And it's not the most damaging to me personally. And so the Apostle Paul says, I'm praying. So listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. When we go to pray at the end of this night or we go to pray this next week, and we're thinking about praying for our church. I want you to consider praying this kind of prayer. We think about praying for your family. I want you to consider this. You know, um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever it was. Remember when JD and Abby were getting ready to leave in the middle of that storm, and they were going to go up to Wisconsin. They're literally driving into the storm, and they're taking my grandbaby with them. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not smart. And uh, you knew you could tell the burden of my heart, and many of you prayed diligently for them, and I appreciate it. They made it there safely. They made it back safely. Everybody's fine. <clears throat> and then as I was studying for this lesson, I was cut to the quick that I would be so concerned about their safety physically that I might neglect to pray like the Apostle Paul prayed for those that he loves. Listen to it. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Colon. Here it is. Here's the first thing he says, that the the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. How many of you need some wisdom? Got some decisions to make? How many of your kids need some wisdom? You know, I'm sitting here, I'm on my knees begging God to get them to, to, you know, Wisconsin safely. How often do I find myself on my knees begging God to give a spirit of wisdom to my kids? If this church never got COVID, which would be a miracle in itself, but if this church never got COVID, would we be greater benefited than if, this, if we sat before our God and begged God to give wisdom to the people in this church? Which do you think would be the best thing to do? And so here's the Apostle Paul. He's making up his prayer list. And I want us to consider, let's adopt the Apostle Paul, to give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Uh, James says it this way, right? If any man lack wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God that does what? Give it to all men liberally and upbraid us not. You know, So uh, the upbraidest concept is that God's not going to scold us or mock us or ridicule us. What? Do you need wisdom for that? I can't believe you're so... No, that's not God, right? That, that wouldn't be God doing it. He doesn't upbraid us when we ask for wisdom. But what he does is he gives liberally. He gives abundantly. He gives more than what we could ask for. Uh, and so uh, let's begin to put that on our prayer list. As you're, if you're going to pray for your pastor this week, pray that God would give him wisdom. You know, I mean, quite honestly, I'm going to die one day. I don't want to die. I'm not, I don't have a death wish. But having you pray for my health is not the most important part of what God's got me here for. Same with you as a dad. Same with your kids. Uh, so we go on. And revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, th- don't, this is not like uh, some kind of charismatic thing. God isn't asking us to have revelations, you know, from that aspect. He is simply wanting us to gain an understanding of the knowledge that we have of him. Remember in 2 Peter chapter 1, we've looked at that before, Second Peter chapter 1, where it talks about knowledge in two words. Remember? Gnosis and epinosis. Gnosis being knowledge, just facts. And epinosis being, I call it knowledge on steroids or being you know, knowledge through experience. So the difference saying, I, I know God answers prayer, that's a fact. And I know God answered prayer because God answered this prayer. I experienced it. That's epinosis. And so, but in that knowledge word there that's used in in Second Peter chapter one, there's several things that we gain from knowledge. He says, "Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." Grace and do you think that your kids? would benefit from God's a greater aspect of God's grace and peace. So let's, like, let's join the Apostle Paul. I want, I want the understanding of God to grow. I want the revelation, the clarity of the knowledge of God to be something that our church gets hold of. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. This is, this is good for you. That becomes his prayer list. That ought to be the prayer list of every dad in this room for our kids. And for every grandparent, for our grandkids, that God would, would magnify that knowledge we have. We read through Second Peter chapter 1. There's three different things there that I can't remember them, but I can't quote them all off my head. So I'll let you just read through it. But three different things that, that come to us as a result of knowledge. And that's what the Apostle Paul says I'm praying for. It says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. All right, we've gotten past the first part, wisdom and, and revelation of the knowledge. The eyes, then, of your understanding being enlightened, here's the next thing that he's praying for. That ye may know what is the hope of his calling. The hope is the expectation. And the idea is this. Especially like our our college students over there. We talked about this a little bit Sunday. Our college students, our high school students, they want a God that they can believe in. The problem is, in our churches, they often don't see that kind of God. And so they find, all of a sudden, we find a whole generation drifting off toward other things, trying to find something that's meaningful because they're not seeing that in us. And, and so the expectation, the, the calling of God, the expectation that the work of God, the work that God is doing in our lives, is bringing about. Do, you know, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to know that serving Jesus is worth it. And I want you to know that by the reality of the expectation, that the hope of his calling becomes your reality. And the Apostle Paul says, this is my prayer list, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I mean, um, the Apostle Paul later on, in Ephesians is going to say something like this in chapter 3 3 and verse 20 he says now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think that's where he's heading this whole thing right he's pushing toward that in fact his second prayer list in Ephesians is in Ephesians chapter 3 and his prayer list actually ends at verse 19 and verse 20 is where he says why? Because I want you to know this kind of God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Because I want you to see the riches of the glory of his inheritance. I want our church to know that there is nothing like serving Jesus. I want my kids to I, I want my kids to think I would, it would be awful if I had to do anything else in life but, but serve Jesus. You understand that that they've recognized that the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints is worth it. What we're asking them to do, what God's asking us to do, when he says to surrender our life, to, to uh, give our life a holy sacrifice. What is it? I beseech you to every brother. By mercy of God, to you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Is it worth it? I mean, are we asking too much? And the answer would be no if we can focus on the riches of his glory. And then he goes on to say this, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us for to believe? That, you know, um, also the Apostle Paul writing, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what is the power that we are accessing through Jesus Christ? Anybody remember? What is the power that we have access to through Jesus Christ. I'm giving you that hint at 1 Corinthians 15. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. What is that power? It is the resurrection power. It is the resurrection power. This Jesus who faced sin, death, hell, and the grave rose victorious over it, and that's the power, he says, that he gives unto us. So that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we have got to, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to understand the power that's available to you. I'm praying that as you approach the Christian walk, that you're not trying to approach it in your own strength because you'll fail miserably, but you'll learn how to access the greatness of his power to us who believe I mean, this is the Apostle Paul's prayer. I want you to know the riches of his glory. I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power. I want you to know how great he is uh, in, in knowledge and, and how worth his calling is in our lives. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer list. By the way, and it's not to a preacher. This isn't one of the pastoral you know, epistles. This is to the church. This is to everybody. This is what he wants for all of us. And he would, I, mean, I believe Apostle possible would be praying it for our church if he was in our church, right? He's praying for, for the Ephesians. And uh, going on to Ephesians chapter 3, let's continue on. I, I love how he starts in verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees. To fall on our face before God, Dad, Mom. When we pray, it's got to go beyond meet their financial needs. It's got to go beyond, keep them healthy, and it's got to, we've got to start praying. And I'm, I'm encouraging us to pray through the Apostle Paul's prayer list. So here's what he says. I, I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, by the way, that's a great statement there, right? God is going to grant Here's what he's asking God to do. God, I want you to give these requests according to your riches and glory. Well, what's available to God? Everything, right? Everything that we would possibly need, right? He owns the cattle and All the things that we need, all the power of heaven and earth, all of those things, that's available. He's saying, God, according to your riches and glory, here's what I want you to do for these people. One. To be strengthened with his might or with might, by his spirit, in the inner man, and the Apostle Paul understands the importance of the spiritual growth here. He's like, "Lord, make them strong. Hey, listen. you know what? you know want your kids faced today at school? Do you know what your, your grandkids face today at school? You know, think about this. I mean, think about the attack on their inner man, the attack on their spirit that they're facing. Do you know what your husband, wives, do you know what your husband faces at work every day? Do you know the difficulty of living in this world? It is, and we could argue, I mean, I. There's nothing new under the sun, and we can argue that the world has been worse than it is now. I'm aware that it probably has been. Right? I know that there are societies that, uh, in the Scripture, where uh, they abuse children horribly and and uh, slaughtered them in mass, and uh, that's awful. Right? I understand all of that. But in my lifetime, in America, it's as bad as it's ever been. And Cut out the politics. I'm talking about the spiritual temperature of our country. I'm talking about what our kids are facing every day. I teach high schoolers, and I'm telling you, the burdens on them is incredible. And you know what we need to be praying? Lord, strengthen them in the inner man. Our kids are not going to survive this world without Jesus Christ. This is not going to happen. And if they think they're going to live the Christian life apart from his strength, it's not going to happen. So strengthen them by the, with might by his Spirit in amen. That's, that's the Apostle Paul's prayer request. He says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now stop for a moment. Let me ask you a question. Are these Christian people? Who's he writing to? Yes, he's writing to the church. They're Christians. Isn't Christ already dwelling in their hearts? So why is the Apostle Paul praying that Christ would dwell in the hearts of Christians? Okay, we need a reminder, for one. We still struggle with the flesh. So I asked this question this morning, and the Wayne Bly gave a really good example. He said, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. All right. So he said, you know, uh, the picture hanging hang on the wall dwells in your house. But it doesn't dwell in the house the same way as the cat that lives with you dwells in the house, right? Yeah, so he used the cat as an example. But the point that he was making is that one of them sits there, and one of them occupies, right? And one of them actually. And the reality is, if we go through Second Peter chapter one again, remember we talked about that just a minute ago. But we add to our faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance patience, all those things we add to it. And then it goes on to verse 9 and it says, if we lack these things, if we fail to add to our faith, if we lack these things, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Is that person still saved? Yes. They've only forgotten they were purged from their old sins. But were they purged? Yes. Is Christ dwelling in that person? Yes. Is the impact of having the, the indwelling Spirit of God in that person, is the impact being seen? No. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. That Christ may actively dwell in your hearts. And it's an interesting thing that he goes on to add that phrase, by faith. Because not only are we saved by faith, but we walk by faith. The act of our Christian walk is by faith. So here we are again. I mean, one of the things that I struggle with, you guys know I teach at Suburban, this is not a reflection on Suburban, it's not a reflection on the students at Suburban, it's a reflection on on the day and age in which we live. Because I've been teaching at Suburban for as long as I've been here, 31 years. And um, the reality is that the impact that Christianity is having on this generation of teenagers is blunted. It's not as strong as it once was. And the problem is that, that we're seeing is that they have Jesus in their hearts, but, they're, but he's not dwelling in an active manner. And that becomes an issue. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, if we're going to, if this Christian walk is going to mean anything to us, we've got to get over that hump. We've got to get, that, that hurdle has got to be dealt with. That Christ has to be dwelling in us actively. Remember in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about um, our connection to the branch and the vine. Right? Remember that? And he uses the word abide. If you abide, you'll bear fruit. And if you continue to abide you'll bear more fruit. And if you continue to abide, you'll bear much fruit. And it's that activeness of our faith, right? It has nothing to do with whether or not our faith works. Once we are saved, we're saved. We're kept by the power of God into the day of redemption. That's the reality of it. But God wants our Christian walk to have more of an impact. And that's what the Apostle Paul said, that you be strengthened, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, he says, okay, so we've got you strengthened, we've got Christ active, being rooted and grounded, may be able to comprehend. And now he's praying the same prayer was praying earlier in many ways, that the knowledge of God would grow. Because he says, be comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and depth and height? Uh, let me ask you. What is the depth, length, breadth, and height, depth and height of this God of ours? can't be measured. And that's the whole point, that he's wanting us to come to this understanding that this God of ours is beyond our ability to comprehend. And he wants us to comprehend just how awesomely great this God is, to understand, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, height, and to know, here's another one, to know the love of Christ, to know the... Have you ever known a Christian who does not seem to understand the love of Christ? What does it look like when a Christian can't forgive? Have you ever seen that? How ugly that is? Have you ever known a Christian who can't seem to take the love of Christ home to their families? Sometimes I've seen Christians who they can love the stranger on the street... But they can't love their own family. It's a problem to comprehend the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, the love of Christ is, and and, uh, I was mentioning this morning, um, it's kind of interesting. Do you think that showing forth the love of Christ is taking a weak stand on sin? It is not, but I'm telling you, that is the way people sometimes are living it out, right? They're living it out as if, well, I've got to take a hard stand on sin. Listen, we we are against sin, right? But what would you do? I've got to be careful. For one, we're online, and I've got to be careful because I don't know uh, people that are here, you know, always. But what would, what would we do if... um, if a same-sex couple walked into our doors tonight and sat down with us, how would we react? Is that the time for us to lamblast sin or to show forth the love of Christ? And is showing forth the love of Christ being weak on sin? I'm going to tell you. Here's what the love of Christ looks like. Versus, Those who say, I'm going to take a hard line on sin. And by the way, does Jesus take a hard line on sin? Such a hard line on sin that he allowed the punishment of sin to be meted out to him. You understand? With no holds barred. That's how much of a hard line he took. But when they brought a woman caught in adultery, what did he do? I'm just telling you, you know, Jesus only was rough on the spiritual leaders of his time. He called those people, you know, serpents and, and uh, whited sepulchers and, and hypocrites. And, and he, he, was not, he was not kind to those who pretended their Christianity. But he came for sinners. And, you know, we can all join the Apostle Paul in that phrase, of whom I am chief, right? That's who he came for. And so we need to learn how to show the love of Christ. Um, In my own family, uh, when my mom left my dad to marry my dad's brother, it was tough. And some of us were... You know, fairly new Christians, or we became Christians as a result, and so we began to show forth the love of Christ, and others were like, "I want nothing to do with them." and how do you how do you put all of that together?" I mean, it was a challenge. It was like, are, are we and it, sometimes it looked like the two Baptist preachers, I mean, God took two people, two of us kids, and we got saved, and now we're Baptist preachers. and it looked like sometimes that God took the two Baptist preachers and made us weaker on sin than other members of our family who said, they're not welcome at my house. Right? It was a challenge. It's like, whoo! how do you do that? And that we would know the love of Christ. And then he says, I I love how he does this. He wants us to know the love of Christ, finish it out, which you can't know, which passes knowledge. I want you to know the love of Christ, which, by the way, you can't know. (laughs) I mean, he's saying it's beyond your ability to fathom, but to just know it more. Do you think our kids would benefit by this kind of prayer? Do you think if when we break up in prayer time, if we got past the, the, you know, help sister so-and-so with her aches and pains, and I'm not against helping sister so-and-so with her aches and pains. Don't misunderstand. Pray for that. But once we get past that, do you think our church would benefit by knowing the love of Christ? in a greater fashion. The Apostle Paul said, here's what I'm praying for. And then he says, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. These are big prayers. These are big prayers. Go back up to the beginning. You know what the Apostle Paul expected God to do? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. So we go to God in faith. And God gives strength to our kids. God dwell in our kids with great power and make them dwell, you know, lively. A lively hope that's there that may be able to comprehend uh, a greater God than what we're seeing now. To know the love of Christ and to be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer list. So as we break up into prayer groups tonight in a little bit, Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter three. I'm going to ask you to pray through those. Bring your family before the throne. Through Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3. Wife, bring your husband. To, wouldn't this be great if your husband would be that? Strengthened, Christ dwelling in him with power, able to comprehend God in a greater fashion, knowing the love of Christ and filled with all the fullness of God. What a husband that would be. What a wife that would be. What a pastor you would have if that were that kind of if that, were that kind of pastor. So that's the second part. So we had the first one, Songs of the Night. Second one is praying for the saints. And the last one is praying for kings and leaders. Didn't know that Brother Matt was going to be here, but uh, here we go. Kings and leaders. Uh, you know, Miss um, um, Irma was here this morning, and she said, you know, in her southern drawl that she's gotten that My sister and I, we pray. We pray for her. And I tell my sister, we're going to pray for the president, but I don't want to hear her complaining. She had three C's. I don't want to hear complaining. I can't remember what it was, was it—condemnation and criticism, right? Complaining, condemnation, and criticism. We're, we we'll do it without that. I thought, "Okay, that's that's pretty good." I said, "That's that's a great outline." I couldn't remember, but that's a great outline. But uh, I put the and leaders because you know uh, we do. We need to pray for our physical leaders that are out there. But I'm also talking about leaders here, I'm talking about our homes. I'm, I'm literally. I'm saying to you this morning. I was saying. I'm saying tonight. If you want to pray for me and Pastor Andrew and Pastor Brett, I'm going to give you a prayer list tonight. This is what we need. And I, I have people all the time saying, Pastor, I'm praying for you. And I and I and I appreciate that. Like you can't imagine. And I'm wanting it to be these kinds of prayers. I don't want it to be keep him healthy because that can't go on forever. It's just not gonna right. It's just, It's just not going to go on forever. And I I appreciate praying for my health, but one of these days I'm going to die. Everybody's going to die, you know? So that's not really where our prayers ought to be. It's like, Lord, as long as he's here, healthy or not, let's make sure he's spiritually healthy. And so here we are. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for one, all men, for kings and those that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet. And peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, let me ask you this: Do you think that God is saying that if we do not pray for those who are in authority, that we are unlikely to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty? And you think thats what God's saying? I remember. Some of you remember, and some of you are too young to remember, but I remember the 80s. They were glorious. They were, it was the America everyone wanted, right? Ronald Reagan was in the White House. The moral majority was leading the pack. It was like, this is it. But I'm going to tell you what the 80s did for the church. It made us lazy. And we started counting on politicians to do what It takes God to get accomplished, and we are paying for that now. The churches got caught up in the concept that somehow the power of the church comes from Washington, and it's just not true. It's not true, and we forgot about what was going on I would love to relive the 80s, all right? They were a great time. I'm just telling you, it was a great time. It was a great time to be a youth pastor. I was youth pastoring back then. It was a great time to be a youth pastor because yuppies were leading the pack. And kids, kids dressed like this to go to school. And that was the fashion. I mean, that was the fashion. No, you didn't have to make them. You didn't have to give them merits. All you had to do was say, you know, go dress fashionably. That's what they would do. It was like, great, uh, you know, they didn't have to have culottes because, you know, those, um, what do they call those, T-link, T-link skirts were all in, whatever. That's what the kids were all wearing. It was like, this was fantastic. What a great time to be a youth pastor. I never had to worry about that kind of stuff. This was fantastic. But we got lazy, and somehow we, we forgot to be praying in the right way. And now, here we are. And we're like, and please, let's not do this. Don't get caught up in this. It's not, Lord, bring back the 80s. It's not. You understand? Because there's a lot of bad things about the 80s. But, uh, in fact, one of our teenagers the other day, you no, know, one of our college students the other day, I think he said the 80s, but he probably misunderstood his timetable. But he said uh, he's he's kind of growing a mullet. And uh, he said, the 80s are back, Pastor. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, and you'll, you'll live to regret them. But anyway, that's a, uh, whatever, it's, it's irrelevant. But that's not what we're praying for, right? We're not praying for that. What we're praying for is that Christ would dwell in the church with great power. We're praying that the church would grow in the love of Jesus Christ. That the church would know God like we've never known before. And when our prayers become like that, when our prayers for our kids become like that, and quit being, Lord, please help them to quit being so grumpy, or Lord, please help them to quit arguing with his dad. No, it's help them to understand the things of God. Our prayers have got to go beyond the shallowness that we've given them. Because the 80s were short-lived, and the reality is that's not what we're heading for. That's what we're wanting for, anyway. Ezra chapter 6 says, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savor unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Now, I know we're just pulling things out of context here, but what an incredible thought that that God's people would say, We're going to pray for the life of the king. Now, I, by the way, I have heard a lot of jokes about how we pray for the life of some politicians. You know? But that's not a good biblical way, you understand? And I understand jokes, and okay, I can laugh at jokes, but are we praying this way? And when we bring it to the church, the Apostle Paul says, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. So, you know, as we're, you're looking at your pastors, you're looking at your deacons, you're looking at your Sunday school teachers, your want workers. As we're looking at children's church workers and Sunday school teachers, all these things, brethren, pray for us. What are we praying for? Are we really, honestly, praying, uh, you know, that, that uh, they just have a good day? What are we praying for here? Uh, we, we, this where we come back to the Apostle Paul's prayer list. Uh, for 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Finally, brethren, pray for us. What? That the word of God may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. Hebrews 13, whoever the author is, probably Apostle Paul, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honest lives. I don't know why I put that one up there again, but pray for us. So we're supposed to be praying for our leaders. So, I'm running out of time, so uh, here's your short little prayer list, right? Here's your prayer list. If you're going to pray for your leaders, spiritually leaders, uh, especially if you're praying for your pastors, I'm asking, pray for protection. Not protections, I, I, am not, I don't own a gun, I'm not against them. I'm not, probably there's, I would guess there's probably 10 guns in this room right now. Just, I'm guessing. I have no idea. I don't care either. But I am not, I don't live in fear, right? I don't live in fear. I, I just simply don't. So I'm physical protection is fine, but that's not what we need. But you know what? We're like everybody else. You know what your pastors do every day? We get on the Internet every day. We access the Internet. That's one of the most dangerous places in the world to be. Your pastors need prayer. You know what your teenage sons need more than anything? Because you know what they're doing every day? They're getting on the Internet every day. No, I don't let my kids. You quit lying to yourself. Your kids are accessing the Internet. There's a reason why I have been 100% right for the last 12 years. Because about 12 years ago, I made a decision that every time I approach a teenager or a college student, guys, I assume they're having problems with the Internet. And I have been 100% right every time. I'm just telling you honestly. You know what we need? We need protection. It's a rough place. This is a rough world to grow up in. It's not easy. And if we're going to stay pure and right and holy, live holy lives before the Lord, we need protection. And pray for that. Pray for sanctification. Pray that, don't you hope that at the end of this year your pastor is more like Jesus than he is right now? Don't you hope that? Pray for it. Pray for it. Make it more than just a hope. Let's make it a prayer request that God would change Pastor Andrew, Pastor Brett, Pastor John, more into the image of His Son. Pray for your kids that way. Pray for your husband that way. Pray for your wife that way. But the the, the sanctification of the Spirit of God would be a reality in their life. Acceptance. Hear me out. We're not out there on some kind of you know. uh, Psychological bent, saying, "Oh no, I I I feel so rejected." That's not it. That's not it. But the reality is, we're in ministry, and we want the ministry to do the job that we're setting out for it to do. We want, when the word of God is given, that it finds a heart that is receptive. We want acceptance. Uh, You know, God's already accepted us, right? That's through Jesus Christ, not through you. But that the, you know, our kids, as they're out there looking for uh, the way to live for Christ, we want that acceptance to be there so that they they are encouraged to continue on. Power, we talked about that, that resurrection power, that needs to be a part of our ministries, that God's power would be upon us. And then, of course, we do want results. And it's okay to pray for that, right? It is okay to pray that God would give us souls for our labor. It's okay to pray that we would increase in numbers. Not that numbers are important. Numbers by themselves are not important. But the fact that each number represents a soul, that's important. That is important. And so there's a reason why as you go through the book of Acts, it says things like, and 5,000 were added to the church. Because it's not that the numbers are the important part, but the souls are important. And so we're looking for results. We want God to be working and doing a job. It's, so pray. And by the way, take that into politics now. Not physical protection, spiritual protection. Sanctification. Wouldn't it be great if our politicians were more like Jesus at the end of this year than they are now? Wow. Acceptance, power, and results. Uh, pray for that. Now, then the why comes in there. I want you to hear this. I want you to know this. God will work in this pastor's life if you never utter my name before the throne. I belong to him. I'm his son. He's going to do a work in my heart. He's going to make sure I become more like Jesus Christ if he has has to drag me kicking and screaming, right? But he's going to get me there. That's a reality. But one of the major reasons that we pray for our leaders is for our own benefit. When we, pray our, when we pray the right way, our spiritual insight grows. When we pray in a godly fashion, we understand God better. When we pray in a godly fashion, our spiritual priorities start falling into line. It's hard to pray for your kids, God, please help my kids to grow in Jesus, and then us stubbornly refuse to do so. Do you understand? It's hard to pray, God, draw my husband closer to you, help him to read his Bible more, and then us not be drawn closer to the Lord. That's the point. And so our own spiritual priorities begin to fall on Our own spiritual confidence as we see God doing a work, we become bolder as we come into the throne of grace. So there's that benefit for us in praying. Okay, I'm taking off all of our time here. But uh, this is what we're praying for. So we've only got about five or six minutes, but I'm going to ask you. I, I've, I'm, I'm asking you not to wimp out on us here, right? Do we believe that prayer is an important aspect of the spiritual walk? And if so, let's spend some time in it. Uh, break up into small groups. Here's how we're going to do prayer requests, right? Rather than sharing them publicly here right now, you'll share them you know, in your small group. And I read an article recently. I thought this is a really good way to do this. I'm going to share it with you. It said, rather than taking up, you know, the first 15 minutes of your 20-minute prayer time, we don't have 20 minutes tonight, but, you know, taking up 15 minutes of your first one by collecting prayer requests, just do this. Okay, so there's four people there together. You're going to pray together. The first one that prays, prays their prayer requests. Then the next one that prays, Praise the prayer request for the first one, Lord, please help so-and-so with this and whatever, and then adds their own. And the third person that prays adds theirs, and the fourth person that prays prays for everybody's prayer requests, including their own. And then you don't spend time collecting prayer requests, right? So not that we'll never do that, but I'm just simply sharing that with you, right? So as soon as you've uh, prayed, you're dismissed. So Find somebody to pray with. Please look around. Make sure everybody has someone to pray with, please. That'll be helpful.